is a burning thing. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another Pizza Pod with Youth Hockey Hub. Thanks to our sponsor, Bernatello's Foods, and especially their Lots of Matza frozen pizza brand. Best frozen pizza you can get anywhere. I am Peter Rodney, and my special, special guest this afternoon, Mr. Ryan Hardy, the general manager of the USHL's Chicago Steel, the general manager of the year for the USHL in 2018-2019. He's a front office legend. We're happy to have him. Ryan, thank you for joining me. Peter, thank you very much for having me on. So, are you the are you the youngest GM in the USHL? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I have never thought about it. I'm 34. Uh, I don't know. You don't you don't even think about it? No, I never never once thought about it. To be <laughs> honest. Well, I'm almost 29, and I remember looking at the ages of GMs. And I saw that that guy from Arizona. Che, is it Chaka or Shaka? Do you know? Yeah, John Chaka. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's like twenty two or something. Doesn't it <laughs> make you? He, does it make you feel like you're just not doing anything? <laughs> no, I mean there's a uh, there's a lot of really talented people older than me, and a lot of really talented people younger than me. And uh, any success that they have, I, I'm always uh, excited to see that. And I think for uh, young people in the business or youngish people like me at this point. Um, you know, anytime, uh, another young guy can be successful, it's good for all of us. Did it feel like validation winning GM of the year last year at such a young age? It'd make you feel like, you know what? I'm here. I'm established. Sorry, Peter broke up on me there. Did it? Okay. So your GM of the year in 2018, 2019, did that feel validating for you in a way being so young? Um, no, not really. I, I really, uh, have a great group of guys that that I get to work with every day so I think you know GM of the year is one of those things that um it takes a lot of people to to make that work if we didn't have great coaches uh you know that doesn't happen if we don't have uh great players uh that that doesn't happen and players that not just are talented but but are willing to to put in the time so I don't really uh spend too much time thinking about the individual stuff uh I know my mom gets excited about it. She gets excited <laughs> about Facebook, but that's her uh, job, though. Yeah, no, that's that's what moms do, right? So she loves it, but no, for me, it's just uh, um, you know, just noise. You know, I just try to put together the best group of players and coaches that we can, and and um, and do the best that we can, and and it's a lot of fun every day. A lot of fun every day. Uh, you put the uh, you put a lot of your success at the feet of your players. Would you call yourself a players GM? Yeah, for sure. I, I my favorite. Uh, I mean, I, I really, I really feel that that is my job, right? Is to it's a player's game. So everything that I do, uh, whether it's putting staff together or, or putting things in place for them, is for them, and it's just to give them tools and resources to to be the best that they can be. And um, I take so much pride in in watching them uh, grow as people and as players and. You know, over these two years, we've had a lot of team success, but we've had a lot of individuals who have had a lot of success. And um, it's just awesome, you know, for me to see. And these kids, whether on our team or different teams, uh, they have so much passion for the game and they've invested so much time in it. And, um, you know, I think that we have a responsibility, um, you know, on my side to, to recognize that it's about them. It's not about us and anything we can do to uh, shine the light on the people that matter, I think, is is our job. So yeah, I, I take a, a lot of pride in, 
in being a quote unquote players GM. I'm here for the players and everything I do is, is to help them become the best that they can be. So during your, your front office and your coaching career, you go from Sacred Heart in the NCAA, a little bit of NCAA Division three, even a high school head coach. Do, did all those experiences help inform the way you relate to players as a general manager? Yeah, I, I think absolutely. Like, I, I've been so fortunate. Uh, um, like, I've even coached, like, squirt teams. So, so I've um, taken, like, there's things I learned coaching Bantam B hockey that, that I still use today, and that's 15 years ago. Um, and and I, I think that there probably is a great lesson in that, that there's so much, hockey doesn't really change level to level, like the caliber of player changes and, and, you know, certain things change, but, uh, there's so much that you can learn coaching at every level and, and every age group. And, you know, the challenges that a 14 year old have has really are not that dissimilar, you know, from, from a 16 year old or an 18 year old or a 22 year old, like they're all young developing people and, and, um, there's a lot of pressure on them and a lot of, uh, they have, you know, big dreams and, and, um, there's a lot of people watching. And I think, uh, you know, I've been very fortunate to pull from all of those experiences and, and I always reflect back on, you know, different things I've done and, and it helps me, uh, all the time, really. So what, what did you take from coaching Bantam bees that still applies as a GM? Uh, you know, I, I think that at that level, there's, um, a huge discrepancy in aptitude from the top player. Uh, on the team to the bottom player, like your top player on a Bantam B team in theory. And, uh, you know, in this level, we had, we had two teams. So he would have, you know, just been cut from the A team or been a bubble player for that. And your bottom players are, are probably C players. And, and I think that, um, you know, from that, you get to, uh, uh, you know, try to find ways to develop each player. And then I think probably the biggest thing I learned from it is, um, just about connecting with them as people like you were able to make such a, I always felt like any team that I coached or just about, um, I always felt that we generally exceeded what the expectations of our team were. Um, and, and I think that is because I spend a lot of time thinking about them as, as people um, and caring about them as people. And, and I think, you know, working it with kids that young and, and you don't, you take for granted sometimes what, uh, you know, we get so focused on the hockey, but you never know what a kid has going on in their home life. And you never know. There's a lot of things you don't know. And it's such a, um, a delicate time, I, I guess I'd say, of, you know, they're starting to go through puberty. And there's a lot of challenges socially that, that come as a result of that. And, and there's a different hierarchy within locker room and, and just so much um, about the human interaction piece that, that I was able to take from that. Um, and, and also, I, I when I was coaching at that level I used to try like ridiculous things like I would uh one time I started the game with no goalie and then sometimes <laughs> we were we would like split the games the goalies would split them you know halfway through or whatever you do in Banabee hockey and then one day the second goalie was never ready to play so I started changing them uh, every, every, every time the whistle would blow I pushed the goalie for an entire game it allowed me it kind of got my you know, experimenting mind going. And, um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I reflect back on those experiences all the time. How did the goalie parents feel about that arrangement? 
Oh, it was great because they didn't really like each other. Uh, (laughs) They were standing behind the glass together in this particular game, and they were both united that day and like, what the hell is this guy doing? You know, so uh, that that was probably the best they got along. So it was entertaining for me. Entertaining for you. Is it, it, you opened up yourself to a little Q&A on Twitter the other day, which kind of inspired me to reach out and ask to talk to you. It feels like you opened yourself up to a lot of parents on Twitter is that normally you'd find a GM distancing themselves from the parents. You know, they don't want to deal with parent complaints or parent questions, but uh, what was it like kind of opening yourself up for a Q and a like that? Did you expect to get as many responses as you did? Uh, I was hoping that someone would respond. It would have been pretty embarrassing. If I said, <laughs> hey, questions and nobody wanted to engage with me, but no, it was, um, you know, dealing with parents, uh, uh, you know, it's one of the hardest parts of my job. And, and I, but I always try to never, um, you know, the parents have invested a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of money in, in these young people. And there's a lot of pressure uh, on everybody and it's hard. And, and I think one thing in our sport, um, you know, it's, there's a lot of money to be made in the business of youth hockey and people are sold a lot of, of stuff. And, um, it's just a tough thing for, for parents to navigate. And I think, you know, too often, and, and I even admitted this in, in one of my tweets, you know, I think too often, quote unquote, hockey people and, and probably people across all sport, you know, you, you get uh, a, a little bit of a wall built up between the parents, you know, at times they can be very grating and very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know what? It's um, most of them are good people. And yeah, there's some crazy ones, but there's no different than there's crazy general managers. There's apparently people think I'm crazy. So, uh, you know, there's crazy people in every, in every uh, walk of life. And I think most parents are well-intentioned and, and they do want, they just want what's best for their kid. Right. And, and in hockey, I've found in different things I've done over all the years, um, that seems to be that the thing I get the most from parents is that they just have no idea what's right or what's wrong. And they're trying their best. And there's just so much, you know, conflicting information. So I don't mind. I, I certainly uh, don't lack self-confidence or don't mind people questioning me. I think it's traditionally something that a GM or a coach would not do, right? Because you mm-hmm. open yourself up to some degree. But to me, I, I don't see any downside. I like mixing it up with people. And, um, and um, you know, uh, uh, if we can, you know, I, I a lot of people, you know, got engaged in that. And I, I think that you know, maybe we could help one or two or, or help down a path. And, and that's, you know, what, what the end game was. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, you had so many responses. I remember clicking through some of these, some of these threads and thinking, wow, those are really good questions. And I wouldn't have thought about that. So in, in 2020, do you think it's more important for front office people to be plugged in, in terms of social media? Um, it's a slippery slope. Uh, I, I find social media to be, a medium that I enjoy. Um, I don't mind criticism. I don't mind. I mean, some people say some absurd things in some of those mentions, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think you got to take it with a grain of salt. I, I do think that a lot of people just don't want to be criticized. Right. So why, or, or, you know, you, you put something out there and give yourself the ability to be second guessed. Um, you know, and I think that a lot of people would just say, Eh, why, why would I, I want to do that? And then, you know, in our sport, we have these very kind of conservative traditional norms that always exist where, 
um, you know, it's something that just doesn't go on. Um, what I like to see more people uh, engaging like that. I don't, I don't really see the downside. Um, and, and some people, you know, ask me too, like, Hey, you, you're willing to give away information, you know, about your process. Like, do you think from a competitive standpoint that that's wise? And I'm kind of like, well, I don't really care. Like there's so many, <laughs> there's so many facets that go into it. I, you know, you give away one piece, it, it's just one piece, you know, it's not, it takes a lot to put it all together. And, and we're living such a, fast moving world that will come up with something, you know, new tomorrow. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think, I, I think as a hockey community, it's, it's a widespread community, but it's really pretty close knit and I, I'm all for sharing information. I think it's great for everybody. Well, it feels like your Chicago steel are pretty close knit considering that your personality trickles down from the top. How difficult is it to say goodbye to a season, not only because the season's over, but because, I mean, your team had a franchise record, 41 wins, and uh, according to this letter, a pair of 13-game winning streaks. Does that does that make it just a million times harder? Uh, yeah, I, I think the hardest part, like certainly, you know, there is a little bit of uh, woe is me and, hey, we were so close to breaking all these records and, uh, you know, what could have been. But uh, I think, you know, when we – reflect back on it I, I think the hardest part is going to be uh we built a lot of relationships with these kids whether they were here one year or two years um you know this has been awesome and for a lot of these guys um you know we kind of specialize in the kind of overlooked physically underdeveloped player it's kind of our wheelhouse and a lot of these guys have, have just grown so much as people and players and every player has a story and, and has a path. And I think when you're emotionally invested in that path, you know, the goodbyes are always hard and, and this will be tough. Um, you know, cause we'll always wonder, you know, what, what might've been, but on the flip side of that, I think the human relationships and the journey and how far they've come, you know, they came to the Chicago steel to become better hockey players. And, and, you know, we can all say uh, that, that they did and we're very proud of the development of our players. So, um, while we, you know, we're not able to see it through, uh, in the playoffs, we, uh, we were, um, uh, you know, our, our main objective is, is to develop hockey players for, for the next level. And, um, you know, we're very happy with how that's transpired and the relationships will continue and, and the memories that we have from this season, uh, you know, will will never leave. So, um, you know, it's, it's bittersweet to, to reflect upon it, but, um, at the end of the day, uh, we're just so fortunate to have had the time together and um, there's so much exciting time ahead for our organization, but more importantly for, for the players that are on our team. You said that your team kind of specializes in finding a kid that might've been overlooked and developing them. Is there a player development story that you're most proud of that maybe warms your heart more than the others? Um, we, we have a few this year, like we have three guys Um Gunnar Wolf Fontaine, Matthew D. St. Fowl, and Jimmy Dowd, who came to us two years ago as physically underdeveloped, probably overlooked players. Um, and D. St. Fowl, he who finished leading the league in scoring. Jimmy Dowd's been unbelievable for us. Uh, Gunnar Fontaine, uh, he just ran out of games. He actually was up to second in the franchise's history in, in goal scoring. So those three guys that um, you know, they, they grew up a lot as people in addition to players, uh, like they kind of became young men and they came as boys and leave as young men. And, and the, the things they were able to do on the ice 
um, were, were awesome and, and they were catalysts for us. So I think it's three guys all with a little bit different story, but three guys that matured a lot as people that grew a lot as players and, and had a lot of success. And, and now we're off to college. Um, you know, that very much is, is what we're about. So Jimmy Dowd and <laughs> D St. Fala, is that how I pronounce his name? Yeah. D St. Fowl and Gunnar Wolf Fontaine. Okay. I know Dowd and D St. Fowl are both NTDP kids, correct? No, uh, neither one of them was, uh, they, they may have played a game or two, but okay. Jim, Jimmy Dowd came, uh, well, all three of them played for us last year. Jimmy Dowd, uh, he had played for, uh, the New Jersey Titans in the North American league the year before. Um, and then, uh, Matthew St. Fowl had been in the league in Omaha and Sioux city before and Gunnar Fontaine, he came from prep school. Okay. So Jimmy Dowd's development from the Null to the USHL, you spent a little bit of time in the Null. What can you what can you tell me about that league's growth and its ability to really stick around with in terms of talented players? Yeah, I mean I am probably the wrong guy to ask that. <laughs> I, got, I got fired before I coached a home game. So uh, you know, I, I don't know if I have the best perspective, but certainly um, you know, in the last couple of years we've had Jimmy uh, this year we had John Jaworski and last year we had Cole Quisenberry. Um, and this year we also have Colton Heward, uh, four guys that played a season before they came in the North American League. Um, and, and one thing I, I do love about the players that we get from that league is they're always very humble and very hungry. Um, you know, I think it's a league that, um, you know, prepares guys uh, for the next level in the sense of uh, gets them acclimated to junior hockey. Um, you know, there's some tough bus rides and and uh, every night's a battle in that league. So, um, you know, we have a small, we don't recruit that league as heavily as, as other teams do. So we have a bit of a smaller sample size, but um, every one of the players that we've had uh, that came from that league, all four of them um, have, have been a pleasure to have on their team. So, so I'm sure that speaks to the experience, um, you know, that, that they got in the North American League. What is a trait that you've seen across your expansive hockey history what's what's one trait that seems to carry over from from high school to college to juniors uh to pro uh hockey sense I just think knowing where sense. to go yeah knowing where to go knowing how to uh you know feel the other players around you knowing how to manipulate the other players when you have the puck knowing how to use your teammates knowing how to help your teammates when you don't have the puck um, understanding your responsibilities, uh, you know, from a situational awareness perspective, I think that, and then just, you know, guys that love to compete. I think if you have those two and, and, and you want to work and you want to get better, um, I think that always translates. Can you tell me what makes a good skater? Cause I'll watch games and I'll think, wow, that kid's moving pretty well. And then I'll, I'll read a scouting report online. It says must work on skating, not a strong skater yet. So uh, am I just not seeing something? that professional scouts are? Well, I think sometimes you got to be careful what you read online. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. Um, but no, I, I think that um, there's some guys, I think at younger levels that are straight line fast, but maybe have flaws in their skating mechanics. Um, so I think, you know, from a scout's perspective, you, you would identify those. Um, and, and then I also think like there's guys that, are burners, you know, in a straight line, like a, a Chris Kreider, you know, something like that. And then there's mm-hmm. guys like uh, a Marshand who's unbelievable, like in, you know, tight turns and, and protecting the puck and, 
And so his edge work, you know, is phenomenal. And then there's guys like, like a Scott Niedermeyer or something that just seems like they're skating above the ice and they just, <laughs> you know, it's just so smooth. Right. And, and those guys are, are probably uh, few and far between, but, but I do think, you know, you have a, a balance and an edge work component. You have a stride mechanics component. I think sometimes um, when to the eye, a guy is fast, that might be, he's big and strong and he's fast at this level. But if there's flaws in his mechanics or his balance or his edge work, you know, those probably uh, will get exposed level to level. So I'm sure that's where that kind of uh, gray area, you know, falls. Well, I, I feel much smarter after hearing that. Thank you for uh, for beefing me up a little bit there. <laughs> My pleasure. So across your career as an assistant coach and as a director of player personnel and, and as a scout, what is, what's your dream job? It feels like you've been kind of all over the map. You know what? I, I used to have this idea of like, oh, I got to get to the highest level and I got to go and I got to go. And, and as I've been doing this and I've been so you know lucky to have uh, gotten so many different experiences, whether it was with the Bruins or, or at Williams College or with the NTDP or certainly in the job that I have now. Um, and even other times, I mean, I love coaching high school hockey. It was awesome. So, um, you know, everything I've done, I, I've enjoyed it. And the one thing I have learned is that um, you want to do it with people that are smart and, and that you really value them as, as people. I, I think this experience I've had with the steel um, is, is been so incredible because, uh, like we're just all pulling in the same direction. And, and I love the guys I work with, like, uh, when we have free time, we spend all of our free time together too. It's not like we leave the rink and then it's like, I don't want to hang out with that guy anymore. You know, it's, um, our, our bond is so tight. So I think when I was young, I, I used to say, Oh, I, I want to get this job or get to this place. And now as I've been through it more, I, I obviously am like everybody else. I, I'd like to climb and, and certainly I'll go back to the NHL in, in the right situation. But, uh, the most important thing to me is, is to do it this way, you know, and, and do it, um, it, it, you know, believing in the way that a team plays and, and watching, uh, you know, having a staff and, and a collection of people and players that are pulling in the same direction. I think that's, um, you know, a, a lot more important to me than just rushing to the NHL just to have a title uh, when maybe I don't love what's going on. So um, that's kind of how I, I'll attack it. And um, certainly I hope that opportunity comes my way like everybody else. But, uh, you know, I think uh, I'll be where I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be there. Well, that's pretty refreshing perspective from somebody who's uh, who's 34 years old. Usually you'd expect to hear a, a, a response like, well, I'd like to be an NHL general manager by the time I'm 40 or some other crazy um, time stamped goal. But it, it feels like you like where you are right now. If the opportunity comes along, you'll take it. But you're not putting so much pressure on yourself anymore. Yeah, and I think that you can go and do things too fast. Like, I, I would say in my own development, uh, I don't think I'm ready to be an NHL general manager yet. I think there's steps that I have to take between now and then, and I have to learn and I have to grow. Um, and, um, and uh, you know, I, I think that – and it's the same thing with players. You know, there's sometimes that players leave junior too fast to go to college, and it, and it you know, breaks them. There's sometimes that – uh, guys leave college too early to sign in the NHL and, and, and that breaks. And so, um, you know, I just want to be prepared, uh, you know, want to get there. And I do, it's, it's been interesting. I, I think, 
Um, you know, there's, I, I talk to a lot of young people who either call me about how to break into hockey or, or whatever the situation may be. And, and I do get a lot of those of, I'll ask them, Hey, what do you want to be? And they say, Oh, I want to be a GM and they're in college, you know, and with no experience. And, um, uh, you know, I think it's a, a great goal to have for people, but maybe keep that to yourself uh, while you start to climb the ladder until it, it's uh, it's a bit more realistic. I, I think, you know, with our sport being so conservative, sometimes there is a negative connotation associated with ambition. Um, and I don't see a negative connotation with it. I, I think it's great that people uh, aspire to, to do uh, certain things. But, um, you know, I guess that would be advice for young people that, uh, just take your time and, and, and if you're talented and, and you work hard and, and people want to be around you, you'll, you'll find your way in time. Well, I think that's a great, uh, a great note to end on Ryan Hardy, general manager of the year, 2018, 2019 front office legend. Appreciate you coming on the pod and, uh, we appreciate our sponsor, lots of matzo. Hopefully, um, eventually you can try a lots of matzo frozen pizza, Ryan. How'd you like that? I mean, I'll never turn down a pizza, so I appreciate you having me on, and I look forward to eating some pizza. All righty. Thank you so much, Ryan. Thanks, Peter. Love is a burning fire.